0: from the home studios of the teaching systems lab at mit this is teach lab a podcast about the art and craft of teaching i'm justin reich Today, Jeffrey Young, he's a senior editor at EdSurge, covering technology's roles at colleges. He proves previously an editor and writer for the Chronicle of Higher Education, has a master's degree in communication, culture and technology from Georgetown University, and was a 2014 Neiman Journalism Fellow and Berkman Fellow at Harvard University. Jeff, thanks for joining us on Teach Lab. Hey, thanks for having me. So you started this new project called the Pandemic Campus Diaries, where you've been tracking professors at six colleges, kind of having them give you audio diaries of their experiences during this public health crisis, as they try to adapt uh, to all the challenges of being a human being and being a teacher at the same time during COVID. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about how the project
1: started? Yeah, we are... um you know, obviously trying to document how education is changing. That's kind of a mission of, of Ed Surge and our podcast and what a change moment we're, we're in here. And so we, we were trying to think of a way, I mean, not, reporters like to follow people around and with a notebook or a microphone and, and, and see what they're doing and kind of shadow them. But um, you're not we, allowed now. You can't get. Now, in the exactly. Them. Nobody wants me to do that. And I don't, think I should do that right now with a, with an in-person experience, but you know, many people out there are, are, that are doing podcasts and, and radio are, are experimenting with like having people record themselves. And, um, now everybody carries around a pretty decent microphone in their pocket with their cell phone. And so we, um, found a group of professors and students, it's, it's professors and students. So we were trying to get a sense of, 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 what is the experience and so we have um kind of drafted a a cohort of of professors and students at these six campuses of various types uh, around the country different geographies different types of campuses and trying to get a you know we don't know what's going to happen none of us do and started a few weeks before the semester began our first episode is about how do you prepare for this pandemic semester and um, put out a new episode every two weeks.
0: It'll be like the real world, but
1: during um, my yeah. pandemic and at
0: colleges and with faculty and audio instead of video.
1: It's funny you mention that because one of the themes that we're talking about this week is like how much of your life feels like a movie or some social, you know, like something they've seen on the real world maybe. And it's you know there are so many things about college life that it's lost right now, and that education right, or the classroom life. That is lost and so what's left but also one of the first level setting things is how different education already is from those hollywood depictions right i mean people don't have a realistic sense of what happens in classrooms i think whether that's k-12 or higher ed and so in some ways this project is is even giving us an interesting window into what the pre-covid life was for professors and students well, it certainly resonates with me, this idea
0: that we do not, in fact, know what's going on, um, that as we're trying to analyze wh- what to do with education systems during the pandemic in higher education, in K-12, we are missing a bunch of basic facts about what is a student's daily life like? What is a teacher's daily life like? What kind of interactions are happening in classrooms? You know, I think we have, yeah, well, certainly as researchers, I think we feel like we have some reasonable sense of what fairly common activities are, uh, but so much of that is changed now or we don't even know how much of it is changed now um presumably i don't know are you, what what's what's the range of adaptation that you're finding among the six folks that you're following or the six places that you're following are there any of them that are kind of back to normal or are all of them in some various phase of uh very
1: strange and different though the ones who are the most feeling at home are the ones who are teaching online and have ever taught at all online before, even if it's only a little bit before now. Um, And I think, you know, that seems to be uh, one of the big things that, that we're hearing is that, especially from the students, is that a lot of professors, if it's their first time online, and they are doing some online, or even just trying to get their physical class to also kind of work for the online students who are either watching because they're in quarantine, they can't be there in person or they choose not to be in person because they're afraid of being in a physical classroom, which is a fair, um, fair thing to, to feel right now, I think. So um, those who have never done the online before, it feels like a lot of them are defaulting to just like that, doing exactly the same way and put the camera there and film it and um, say, it's, it's a, a wrap. And that. we're hearing that feels strange to, to the students, especially and to the professors that it, it, and I I almost think, I don't know if this is a stretch. I'll be curious to hear what you think, but there's this notion in kind of simulation of the uncanny Valley where if, you know, something is, is simulated, but it's so close to real um, you know, whether it's some video game you're playing or a movie or something with AI or whatever, if it's so close to real, but not real, you're, you're, it's super creepy. Like it's it's just kind of it's off-putting, and I feel like sometimes there's this um, sense of that for some of the people we're tracking. Of like, I don't know why this is so weird, but it's not right. And yet, and yet, you know, there's a class at a set time, and I'm going. And we're all doing the motions, but it's something's something's off.
0: No, I, th- I think that metaphor resonates with me in the sense that part of what triggers—well, how about this? I, I'm, I think some people theorize that the uncanny valley is a little bit unconscious—that mm. you're looking at, uh, you know, a sort of a, a figure in VR or like a like an animation that's trying to be human realistic. And there's something about it that's like that's mostly realistic, but something not quite. Um, I think the thing that that i am experiencing that i think other people are experiencing is that some things are normal and then you just get struck like well that thing was not normal like that did not happen the way it was supposed to work um you know i was watching a, a video online of a teacher who's trying to get i think a kindergarten student to respond to a question and it just took a minute of coaxing to like get the kid to put the mute button on and the other kids to put the mute button off and it's this thing that happens you know a million times a day in american classrooms like what does the number four make you think about was I mean, some very simple question, which should have taken about four seconds for some kid to blurt out whatever was at the top of their fascinating little mind. And instead, it was just like a minute of agony of watching this teacher trying to coax that out. Um, and it makes you realize how much you take for granted, um, you know, the ease with which we communicate with each other in physical classrooms, or yeah, there's just sort of these little things that are like, Whoa, that thing was way hard. I don't know. My own teaching, I teach in a classroom at MIT that has blackboards on three walls. And so tons of my teaching is just breaking students up into small groups and drawing schematics of things. You know, we just read Larry Cuban's Teacher and Machines, and it has a really interesting way of mapping out uh, the dynamics that happen inside classrooms. Go ahead and draw that for me. And I tried to have students do that on Google Slides. And the first time it was disaster because it just took too long. And then the second time I'm like, I'm going to stay up all night pre-populating Google Slides with like little icons that people can move around. And that worked a little better, although it took a lot more time on my part. But it's these little things that it's really hard to predict like, well, that uh, you know, yep, the students all showed up. Yep, these things are going fine. Whoop, uh, like klaxon, red alert,
1: this is not working at all. No, it's interesting. And the this mix of in-person and online that I mentioned before with like at Purdue University, one of the professors mentioned she's got um, – she kind of has a microphone that is making sure that she's being recorded on the lecture cast, you know. Um, and it's going out live. And then there's, she wanted to have a different microphone so she could be heard in the room because that wasn't tied into the same system. She's wearing a mask and a shield with two microphones. Mm-hmm. And it's, you're just like, yeah. And she's now tethered to a specific point. She's a roamer, you know, like a good, yeah. lot of good teachers. And so she here she is like, you know, basically leashed to a spot. And with multiple devices that could go wrong just to be heard, just to be lecturing, which is not the most effective teaching, but probably.
0: Yeah, that's right. You know, there's a, there's a story that I, I have this new book out, Failure Disrupt, Why Technology Alone Can't Transform Education. And there's a story that I tell about early in my doctoral career, I visited a classroom in rural New Hampshire um, and they're trying to do an online lesson. And I just observed that like, A lot of things are working. There's these fiber optic cables that come into the building. The fiber optic cables connect to wireless routers. The wireless routers broadcast throughout the room. The laptops have been charged. The batteries are holding a charge. The computers have been updated and turned on. They connect to the internet. The teacher's computer is working. There's a projector. It looks like the projector has a working bulb. Like it looks like all these delicate things are kind of working. And then she takes a power cord from the projector and she sticks it into the wall outlet. And the wall outlet falls behind the drywall. Um, and is unrecoverable. And so her lesson, which depends upon some kind of demonstration, falls apart because of this one tiny link in this incredibly complex chain and those chains of technology mediated learning they're like hard to maintain anyway you know they're like things go wrong with that you know in january of 2020 at purdue but you've now just added like so many more links to this delicate chain which is reaching out into you know young people's homes all across america and all across the world and uh you know, we, we don't we don't main institutions don't maintain enough resources to manage that chain particularly effectively during normal times. And here we are trying to get all those pieces working during covid times. And you can't when things break, you can't tell how they're going to break. Like, what does it mean to wear a shield? What does it mean to wear a mask? What kinds of things do I do that are going to stop working? Because I have a mask on, what kinds of things do I do that are going to stop working? Because I'm tethered to a particular place, I, I, you know. We make some guesses about those things as teachers, but we don't know until we go out and do them, and things start falling flat, and students get confused and frustrated. Although usually quite generous with us as well.
1: Yeah, I interviewed the the vice a vice provost at Purdue about who's in in charge of teaching and learning, a big job right now in this moment. Um, but she, I was asked her what was the most surprising thing, you know, as they. You know, went forward with the first week of classes. It was right right after the first week. And she um, she said, actually, the biggest thing that threw them off was they had done all these preps and trials about the, the masks and the, the mics and all of the things we just talked about. But actually, they, the biggest challenge that they didn't anticipate or what went worse than they thought was actually the systems failing that they didn't anticipate because they kind of thought they had that down, right? They can run their LMS and, and their lecture capture system, right? I mean, that's what they do. Yeah. But it turns out, I, for reasons that I don't even know exactly and maybe it's maybe boring to think about but things went wrong like Zoom yeah. had its zoom had its big outage that happened to be the first week of their class uh, their classes at Purdue one of the other systems they happened to be using had a, a problem that had nothing to do with purdue and so they ended up losing a lot of, of stress and 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 wasting a lot of, of resources or trying to devote resources to getting those back online but I mean how do you even plan for that I'm not even sure and, and it's it is a moment. Or
0: it's under the sort of austerity conditions of education. I mean, it reminds me a little bit in my hometown of Arlington, Massachusetts. Um, I was listening to a school board meeting and the and the building director was talking about all these adaptations they needed to make to buildings, um, which in New England, you know, was just, I mean, you just get way down to the guts of these things. You never think about like, okay, so we do have HVAC systems and our HVAC systems do have airflow controllers that can increase the amount of airflow, but they freeze in the winter. And so all of them have been bolted into one position um, so that they don't freeze anymore. Now, and somebody did that like 30 years ago. Now we could unbolt them And then, but then we wouldn't know whether or not they would be working. And we also think that they might freeze again, which is why they got bolted in the first place. No, it's absolutely right. All right. So it's, you know, we know that there are all kinds of ways that classroom life is being disrupted and um, made more difficult from the pandemic. What are you hearing from people about the rest of collegiate life? What's what? How are students making up for um, the missing the shared experience of being in the same place all the time?
1: Yeah, I think one thing that's really struck me from doing this series is just, I think we maybe overestimate the importance of academic, you know, classes on a college experience. And maybe at a place like MIT, this is more clear, but I think at a lot of places, um, especially when you do think back to that, like the, the, when people close their eyes and think of a college, they're thinking of like the lecture hall and what I'm really getting the sense from the the students and professors we're talking to is really how much is lost when even if you are on campus with these social distancing measures, you're really, really isolated and in a bubble of yourself. Um, and so much of what people are end up learning at college is doesn't take place in a classroom. And I think that's got to be true in in a K-12 environment, too. I mean, there's so much that's that's missing right now. And there are, it's interesting, there's um, one of the students that at Purdue that that we talked to, he was on a committee to try to help make, you know, social life better during the pandemic. And one of the things they came up with was a friend finding app. And he noticed as he's walking around campus, he noticed a lot of the students are putting, you know, how like at the dorms, people had their name on a piece of construction paper, you know, like yeah. Jeff. And now people are also putting their, their Instagram handle and their Snapchat handle. And that's, you know, if you want to talk to them, it's not going to be in the hallway, it is going to be on those platforms, because they are, you know, they the other thing that, that, you know, it's not that there's this students getting a bad rep of partying all the time. And we know there have been, in fact, of course, gatherings at campuses that have shut, that have led to, to virus outbreaks. But it seems like so many of the students and professors we're talking to, it's like so many of the students are. There's a variety. Like a lot of the students feel like that that they are blasé, and a lot of the students are hyper concerned. Right. And and so there's there's almost a sense I'm hearing from people of wishing more people would be a little more open, so they could have some hallway conversations. That that maybe people are are taking things too far toward like, well, we've got to do everything we can to not have the campus close, and so they're just they're missing there's a lot of missing um, opportunities for, for that. Um, And so, you know, one of the students um, we're talking to is at Texas state university and she was going to be on campus um, and was going to be an RA um, very connected to her campus life. And the thing that has been her most, you know, life-changing experience has been being an RA. She's like a, you know, a student from a, you know, pretty, not a not a super wealthy family in, in South Texas. She's very excited to be at a campus. But one of the things that she kind of describes herself is that she has gone from this introverted person to somebody that feels helpful to people and is like helping younger students at the college figure out their way. And that it's brought out for her, like, you know, like a fuller version of herself. And that is the biggest thing that she's gotten from college. But now all of her classes That campus is actually still open, but it turns out her schedule came back and they were all online because her professors had chosen to teach online. So she ended up moving back home for financial reasons and taking classes, those classes online and can't do the pieces of campus that turned out to be the most enriching.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, as we're talking with middle schoolers and other kinds of folks, we hear the same sorts of things that like, you know, I I come to school and I do the class part, but you know the the five minutes between class and lunch where I check in with my teacher and really connect with her—that's what's really important to me. Or the debate team that we do in the afternoon, or sports teams, or other things like that. Um, and I think there's some incredible work that's happening across the country by students, by teachers, by you know I'm sure in in higher education by student life staff and stuff like that try to recreate a bunch of this online. I mean, we have uh, you know I run a lab that has a bunch of adults and a bunch of undergraduates and some graduate students and things like that and we are devoting kind of overtime efforts to um Creating experiences to socialize online. I'm telling all my students that they have to meet with me one on one in the first couple of weeks of class. I usually don't do that because I don't need to because I run into them at the beginning of ending class and I, you know, hang around a little bit and so forth. I'm like, yeah, we're not doing that. Just like come and find me um, and let me grill you for 20 minutes, uh, you know, on on some mutually agreed schedule, and you know, so 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 even when even when you can get it to work, some of these things are just more, more effort. Um, have you had any stories that struck you about, oh, these are some real bright spots here. These are some, some students or faculty who are finding things that are working for them and maybe will continue to work for them beyond the
1: pandemic. Yeah, I think there are, you know, we're hearing that people are, are they're actually feeling more deep connections with their colleagues as they share information and tips and resources. And there's a lot of learning going on among faculty. Um, and a lot of shared, you know, kind of camaraderie around those efforts to, hey, this training worked for me, you should really check out this, you know, podcast or resource or article. And, and how are you doing? And, you know, a, a much more, you know, there, there is a sense that teachers can be so busy and instructors can be so busy that they are heads down in their own classes in normal times, and that there there's this, this culture of sharing um, that's going on. Um, and a lot of, and some low tech things. Um, one of the faculty at Texas state is teaching biology and um, is doing a lab and the lab is in person, but she has sent, has figured out a couple ways to make like a couple of these labs be able to be done at home with like materials that she could pack up in a bag and hand them. So a lot of the students, um, you know, either can't come into the in-person lab or choose not to because of health concerns and so she's devising these kind of home kits and in some ways she kind of felt like these home kits were actually you know kind of a good a, a, a very positive thing to like shake up her idea of like what a lab could be and in some ways you know kind of broke her out of that mold and and, and is something she might even bring to other uh, you know other post-covid uh, worlds
0: Right, you know, so I mean, I that does seem to be kind of the best case scenario is that we discover these bits and pieces of things that we carry with us um, into the post-COVID world. I mean, the thing which has sort of struck me most, and I wonder if this resonates with your experience, um, is just how conservative the pedagogical organizational reaction to COVID has been. Um, I had kind of imagined last spring, you know, a bunch of people might've been like, you know, it's probably really hard for me to like go into my home office with a bunch of kids running around and make classes without any online training. Maybe I'll just tell all my students to finish the semester by, you know, doing a really good massive open online course or, you know, some other kind of Online learning experience or some other way of sort of rearranging how we staff and provision education. Um, but sort of overwhelmingly, what I've seen is, nope, we don't want any of that. We, just, we like so not only hearing that faculty like, no, oh, I'm just gonna walk from my lectern to my home office webcam and keep teaching. But also, actually, hearing from students like, "No, nah, we don't want any other kind of weird stuff. Like, we just want our teacher, even if even if all they can generate is sort of a crappy, half baked, hobbled um, pandemic course. That's still what we want. Um, you know, which I think is in some ways an incredible tribute. I mean, it's you know, I don't know if it's a tribute to the conservatism of the system, if it's a tribute to the fact that the system, for all that people critique it for, is actually quite well honed." Um, from meeting the needs of different stakeholders in different kinds of ways? I don't, is your sense overall with these six folks that like we're just trying to make the same university, as much of the university happen as we can over Zoom?
1: Yeah, and it's um, it, I think the, what we're hearing from the students who end up having multiple professors, right? And that's kind of the interesting test case is like what are they what are they getting from different people and what are they feeling about those things? It seems like there is, in fact, a large bit of conservatism and like professors, one professor um, that I think it was at uh, Texas State, the, the student was saying he was so excited. He had to switch at the last minute from in-person to online. So I don't think he had very much time to prepare. And so he was very proud, the fact that he was still going to use the same marker and like write on something, but they she couldn't really see what he was doing. And like, it was it was literally the same thing with a camera pointed at it, even though he was at his home now and that she was almost like laughing at how that didn't really work. And that there was a, but what did seem to work universally for when people were hearing that things worked were a lot of it came down to attitude really from the professor of like the professors that seemed to be kind of winning this moment as far as being effective were the ones that the, the students felt them being like, How are you, like, what are you, is this working? Are you getting this? Like, how do we adapt? How do we change? I'm going to make this work for you. We're going to do this together. Instead of that, like, I've got this, like, I've got my marker. Don't worry about everything. It's going to be fine. Um, So I think really that, that mindset of like, Everything's different. I'm not gonna pretend that I'm up on top of a lectern, like you know, in front of the room. We are gonna we're we're going through something. Let's 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 work together. Let's get through this.
0: Yeah, I that has been a piece of advice that I've tried to share with my colleagues at MIT and in and in in all sectors of education, is that I think the more that people, and it's so it's great to hear that from you. The more that people feel like we are partnering with them, you know, COVID is something that happened to us, but our response to it is something that we can build together. And if people feel like they're part of building that together, um, then there's going to be you know more enthusiasm for trying to make that work. Um, well, Jeff, be, be, oh, oh, oh no, I was
1: going to say I to, I want to also say that um, one of the students we're tracking. I mean, the stakes of this, I think, are, are really high um, as far as, you know, retention and effectiveness. And 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 one of the students that is involved with our project is a student that's um, at San Francisco State University. She's just transferred in from a two-year um, college. And this is her first four-year experience, but it's all online. And she is, you know, wondering whether she's going to finish or not. And, and she's a first-generation college student who has a lot you know a lot is writing on she feels like on her her kind of finishing but you know some of her professors are really knocking it out of the park and feeling like they're saying you know she's hearing them say like we're going to make this work for you and then others she feels like they're 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 saying things to her like why are you asking so many questions about you know what the this or that or just you know just figure it out and so the it's it matters if enough people get this right for for so many students, whether they end up succeeding or not.
0: Yeah, I mean, if there's anything that I could erase from higher education during normal times, it would be our kind of sink or swim approach, you know, the sort of ethos like, well, um, I provided a bunch of learning experiences for you and you'll either learn from them or not, so good luck um, and trying to place that with, a, with the ethic of care and responsibility. And it just seems, you know, triply a hundred times more important to think about that now and even think about, you know, any of the ways in which I embody that sink or swim mentality, like, it's it's not time for that. It's time to say it really matters that these students. I mean, we're already starting to hear initial reports that first-generation college students are dropping out early semester in much higher numbers because um, the systems are not as capable of supporting them, and there's nobody else to do it but but us. You know, there's not there's universities don't have like a secret band of administrators who are going to go out and make this work. It's just going to be. Teachers in classrooms, you know, K twelve, higher ed, um, trying to trying to shift that mindset. Um, maybe, hopefully, for the long term, but certainly during the months and weeks ahead. Um, well, Jeff, it's been great having you come in and telling us about this project. We'll look forward to continuing to point people
1: towards the the pandemic campus diaries. Did I say that right? You did. It's on the ed Surge podcast feed. So if they're looking for it, it's ed Surge podcast. So thanks so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming, Jeff.
0: That was Jeff Young, podcast host and senior editor at Ed Surge and the producer of the Pandemic Campus Diaries. I think it's been really helpful in the context of all of our K-12 pandemic conversations here on Teach Lab to be able to hear a little bit from higher education, both to think about where our students are heading. Um, but I don't know, I found it comforting in some respects to hear that faculty members in higher education are facing a lot of the same challenges that teachers are. And a lot of the things that are working are working at multiple levels, You know, focusing on relationships, building partnerships with students, um, being with them together, working through this together seems like an approach that I can really get behind. I'm Justin Reich. Thanks for listening to Teach Lab. Please subscribe to Teach Lab to get future episodes on how educators from all walks of life are tackling distance learning during COVID-19. I've also just released a book this week, Failure to Disrupt, Why Technology Alone Can't Transform Education, which is available from booksellers everywhere. You can read reviews and related media and sign up for online events at failuretodisrupt.com that's failure to disrupt.com. We also have a free online virtual book club, which you're welcome to join me. We're going to read one chapter a week together with all kinds of special guests. And that's at failure to disrupt.com slash virtual book club. This episode of teach lab was produced by Amy Corrigan and Garrett Beasley recorded and sound mixed by Garrett Beasley. Stay safe until next time.